Welcome back to Call Time with Katie Bierenbaum. I hope everyone has worn the time away. I have been having my first big girl, big time professional directing gig in the last few weeks. So I was in the heart of pre-production and then actual production for a couple of weeks there. But luckily for you, when this podcast comes out, I will be back to being somewhat fun employed and can devote a bunch of my time to call time. So these are going to be some incredible guests. Uh, First up, we have today's guest, who is another fabulous gypsy person. I've been doing a whole string of these people. Clearly, it was a great company to work with because so many of my guests uh, this summer have been people involved in that. My guest today is a graduate of Boston Conservatory who has since gone on to perform all over the country in a variety of roles. In fact, I believe he played like four different roles in our recent production of Gypsy. We'll get into all of that. He's, of course, performed at Goodspeed Opera House, as well as Stages St. Louis, the John W. Engeman Theater, Tuacon, Theaterworks Palo Alto, Forestburg Playhouse, and the Riverside Theater, and in the national tours of the Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis, as well as Les Mis on Broadway. To that extent, I would call him something of a journeyman actor or a character actor. Not Oh, wow. Sorry, a bunch of books just fell off my <laughs> desk. I'm not sure if he's comfortable with being called either of those terms. We will see. We will discuss all. Um, it is a compliment to my amazing guest, Edward Huvier. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. I'm so happy you're here. Um, can I disclose that you had COVID and this is like one of your first days post-COVID? <laughs> I'm free. I'm free of COVID now. You're free. Do you feel invincible? (laughs) It took me out. I'm not going to lie. Edward was saying to me before we started recording that he had never gotten it before, which is crazy. This was my first bout with it. So I thought I was invincible, but boy, she caught me. She gets the best of us these days. (laughs) Edward, I'm so excited to be talking to you. You expressed that you were nervous. You should not be nervous. That's insane. (laughs) Because I've listened to your excellent interviews with everyone else, Val and Jen and Talia. You guys are just so wonderful. Oh, that's sweet. I'm so impressed with you, too, and this podcast. I that's love it. That's so kind. Great. Thank you. Keep it going. Edward should be the guest oh, yeah. every week. I'm a big fan. I'm a big that's fan. That's very kind. I'm a fan, too, clearly, since I asked <laughs> you to be on. I want to start at the beginning. Sure. I ask most of my guests a version of this question. First of all, where did you grow up? In on Long Island? No, I grew up in Houston, Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah. And was was it like a theater household? So now this is an interesting journey because in Houston, I, I was really more into swimming and sports stars. But we actually moved for my fourth, fifth, and sixth grade years to San Francisco area, Los Altos, California. And my sister, who's always been musical, she plays the piano. My sister's a rock star on a million different levels, but she plays the piano and I would always sing with her. And when we were in that Bay Area, she was a part of this choir called the Main Street Singers. They did classical choral music and it was incredible. I was gobsmacked by this group. And I joined a children's choir there. And if we had stayed in San Francisco area, like I desperately wanted. I probably would have gone that route, that choral music route. But when we went back to Houston, kicking and screaming as a miserable teenager, that my school had an excellent 
theater program. And so that's how I got cast in the show, and that's where that bug got bit. So it was singing first for you. Singing, yeah. Even in my high school theater days, I've always been a Broadway baby. And I just love the Les Mises and the Phantoms. And when I was in high school, we were really lucky to go to New York every year. Between Christmas and New Year's, the thespian troupe took a New York trip. And I saw all these Broadway shows of the early 90s. My first Broadway show was the Will Rogers Follies. And I was totally in love with it. I felt like Keith Carradine was talking to me. And I'm not even kidding. I really thought he was looking at me and talking to me. I was obsessed with that show. And I wanted to go back the next day, except I had tickets to see Falsettos, which was another life-changing show where I was seeing storytelling through song and the subject matter of that show. I It was just transported. That's why I, I became a Broadway baby. <laughs> I ask a lot of people this too. Seeing those shows, was, were those sort of your like light bulb moments when you were like, this is what I want to do? Or did that come earlier? No, that was pretty much yeah. it. Seeing those Broadway shows, being cast in a show, I think in the eighth grade. What was um, the show? Oh, Oklahoma. Yes. Yes, I was currently entering from the back of the cafetoria. <laughs> I hope there's a video of that somewhere. Oh, my mom would be happy to pull it out for you. But yes, that was fun. And then my high school also had an excellent program. Again, we went to New York and saw all these shows. I was so lucky the shows I got to see. Varied. I got to see Neil Simon plays. Boston yeah. Yonkers and Laughter on the 23rd Floor. I got to see Angels in America. Wow. Like that. I remember the theater feeling like it was shaking. Yeah. It was so exciting. It was such an, I, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the theater. And then you <laughs> went to Boston Conservatory. What went into right. that decision? Were you like, I'm going to go to school for theater, mom and dad, like that's what I'm going to do. And then you auditioned or did you? They pushed me into going to school for theater, which I was grateful that's for. That's nice. Yes. My family has always been so super supportive of me. And actually, I landed on Boston Conservatory almost by accident because I was really interested in Emerson. Mm. So I went to go visit that school. And while I was there, I also went to go and see the conservatory, which had also accepted me. And of course, I fell in love. I actually saw a production of Falsettos there. And I was like, okay, I want to go here. Have you ever done Falsettos? No, I would love to, please. Okay, uh, let's make it happen. And then was it like straight to New York from there to audition? What was your transition like? This is a fun story, too. I was cast at the end of my senior year. Actually, just before graduation, I was cast in Les Mis on the tour of Les Mis. Wow. So they were kind enough to let me graduate and then join the tour. So I did that for about a year. Before I left that show, and then 9-11 happened. Whoa. Yes. And almost immediately after 9-11, it was a godsend. They called me back to the tour to actually play Marius for a leave of absence. And I was like, yes, I will do that. I need this. And then from there, they offered me the New York show. So it all happened so super quickly, you know, yeah. in those days. Was that, it sounds like you're, you you had falsettos and you saw Angels in America and Neil Simon plays and stuff, but you mentioned seeing these big, what people think of as like the 80s 
90s yeah. mega musicals on Broadway. Oh my God, yeah. Miss Saigon yeah. and Miz and Phantom of the Opera. Like that was my high school bedroom. <laughs> I love that. And then it must have yeah. been such a surreal experience to then like as soon as you graduate, be in one of those shows it's funny because I had already started to, at the end of my college years, do playing the old men in my college. Oh, you know, that's I had started blossoming as like a, a character actor then. But of course, I was too young for all the roles. Yeah. There's I remember the my vibe at, in college of the one person who's like always playing the old, the parts. old parts. And I'm curious, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but. Yeah, I do think it's slightly different for women than for men, like playing the old lady in like terrible old age makeup. You're like a 20 year old woman being forced to do this. <sighs> but I am curious, like, were you loving that or were you like, this is weird? Like, I want to be. Yes, I loved it. I loved playing the variety of different parts. Yeah, yeah I I. When my first professional show right out of high school actually was a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Oh my gosh, were um, you a pseudoist? No, I was hero. Oh, amazing. I was, this, was, this was right out of high school. It was the Galveston Island Outdoor Musicals. It was my first professional show. I had never done a show with a real stage manager. It was an unreal experience. And I was in like the height of my Miss Saigon, Les Mis days. But I watched those character actors in that show having a blast cracking each other up making each other laugh like it was i looked at them and i went that's what i want to do not only that look how old they are i want to be doing that at their age having this fun with this group of people that's that is what i want to do so that was the birthplace of leaving behind the the singer into playing having fun with the character parts so then when i was cast in lame is that was like a mind can I say bad words? It was a man, mind, mind fuck yeah. as well. I was like, whoa, this is so not what I was thinking, but this is an incredible opportunity. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask, you look at your resume and you have a mix because you do shows like Gypsy, being the character actor where you play like four different sort of guys <laughs> to literally quote you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have principal roles on your resume, like Marius, like Ad Adolfo and Drowsy, like nicely. He's silly fun. Adolfo is outrageous. I wish so I could see you do that. Let's do it again. I also love that show. Yeah. I saw nicely on your resume, which I love for yeah. you. So I'm curious, having done both, is there one to which you gravitate? Do you think it takes different skills? I like the character parts. Yeah. I even love being in a show and playing many different parts. That's, that is so fun to me. Thinking of like different ways to differentiate your body, your stance, your hair, your whatever it is that your makes mustache. you. That's always the most fun for me. But it is also, there is something to telling a story with from a character's point of view from the beginning to the end and having that arc. That is always an enormous responsibility and so much fun to do as well. So I do enjoy them both. So you do, you, know? you like the term character actor because I think some people get offended by it or think that it means that they can't do those other roles. You've embraced sure. it. I hate labels in general, sure. but I do not mind the term character actor. That's an honor. It's what I wanted to be when I was a kid. You know? Love it.
When you're doing a show where you say you play multiple different characters, like a show like Gypsy or that you did 42nd Street up at good speed before that, mm. how do you go about, what's your process in terms of differentiating these characters and ensuring that they still feel authentic to you? I always like to work with what's given as well. So it always depends on what the director wants, what the other actors are giving you. So that always helps inform. But I try to find different voices for them, or at least from a different, like not, my voice is my voice. And so I can't really be different, but maybe like where I carry it from, either from the stomach or the nose or the deep in the throat, or if it's gruff. So a lot of voice work, I think. And then how I stand too, physically. I'm very physical. Do you think some of that comes from being like a singer first, all that like voice stuff? Sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And and my high school days, I really did work on my voice a lot. I had a great voice teacher, and that's that that really is. And I started by singing in the yeah. choirs, so it, it really is from the voice. It's funny because in this production of Gypsy that we did, <laughs> I remember when I we were doing. Sing. I know when we were doing that like crossover for the Boy Scouts, <laughs> and they were like, "Edward, can you sing up the octave?" And you were like, "Yeah, it's the only part I'm gonna sing in the show." And it cracked me up every time because it was just like the little kids' voices, and then you just like belting it out. Hell, hell. Exactly. But it was this amazing yeah. moment because if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have known you were a singer at all. Oh, wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Because <laughs> I feel like often the charactery parts, especially in those musicals where you're playing multiple roles, is not as much singing. Do you find that you miss that? or? Yeah, I do. I definitely feel the difference in my voice, too. Mm. Yeah. When I was on tour... I, I sang every day, obviously, and my voice was in such good shape. I feel like I could sing anything. And then when you don't do it for a while, even if you do a lesson or a coaching, it's just not the same as the repetition of the eight times a week, the, the repetition of that. But yeah, I do feel a difference in my voice, actually. How long were you on tour with Les Mis? And then how long were you on tour with Phantom? So with Les Mis, I did a year on tour and then a few months as Marius and then I moved to the New York show and that was a really surreal experience making my Broadway debut in a show that I had already been in mm. literally the week before and I didn't even really have a rehearsal process for Les Mis because at that time the shows were interchangeable the tour show and the New York show was they were footprints of each other so many of the company members went back and wow. forth between both companies so my opening night on broadway this dream that i had achieved was just like another day <laughs> it felt very strange even the company some of them had known me from the tour so it did it wasn't even like i was a new company member yeah so it was a very surreal experience going from the tour of Les Mis to the Broadway show. But I was with that show until it closed in 2003 and being a part of that closing was awesome. Yeah. That was, that, it was like this recent Phantom closing. It was just like this surreal experience. Yeah. And then, and then I did Phantom on the road for the, the new production of the show for, for six years. Six years in that show, three in one track. And then I was actually ready to leave the show, but this swing track opened up. 
And I was offered that and it was an ability for me to do exactly what I love to do, particularly in that show, play all these different character roles mm. in and out as a million things. So I covered 11 tracks in that show. Um, so that was a lot of fun. It was my dream job, honestly. I would still be doing it if it was open. Wow. I was going to ask because I've had understudies and swings on the show before and depending on the person and the actor, people have really different opinions about it. Some people really hate it, especially swinging. And some people, yeah, yeah, and some people really love it. What's your take? It seems like you love it. I love it. I love playing a bunch of different parts, particularly for Phantom. It was easy for me to learn because I had been in the show for three years. Right. So it was already in. Yeah. I had nothing to learn. I just need to remember where the original guy stood. Oh, yeah. Over there. And from my point of view of my one track that I did for three years. <laughs> so it was very easy for me to learn that. Um, I can't imagine learning something like that from the beginning. That might be very stressful. I can see how that would be stressful for people. Now, understudying, I love mm. doing as well. It's a lot of fun to change it up. I love the repetition of theater. That's why we do what we do. I love it. And it's fun to switch it up every now and then and see your friends shine in a different place and see that the show goes on and the way that people are encouraging of everybody and still welcoming back when the original person comes back. I just love that. I love that camaraderie. Some people have said that they feel like swinging and even understudying uses like a different part of their brain than just like acting or like performing the show and that they feel it's way more analytical. Do you think that's true? Do you feel like it's using a sort of almost like a stage management or director's brain when you're swinging or understudying? 100%. The same thing with directing. Yeah, I feel like it's the same. It taps into that same area of your brain where you're Yes, you're being artistic, but it's really mapping it out. You have to put it in your brain. You have to have this bird's eye view, or at least I did have a bird's eye view of what was on the stage and where I was supposed to be while you're performing, while you're acting. (laughs) So it's a strange thing going back and forth. Yeah, and I feel like that's the same for directors or for stage managers. Not only are you trying to be telling the story and being attuned to what's happening, but you need to know the map you need to have the ins and outs the backstages now edward i need to know if this is accurate when i was doing my research on you for the podcast i saw that you had directed a production of gypsy i did yes i directed yes at the forestburg playhouse i did eight seasons at forestburg in and out Oh, is that um, where you and Talia and someone else went and visited? No, we went to go visit another wonderful summer stock theater I worked at, the New London Barn. Got it. Yes, but Forsberg is similar to that. My time at Forsberg was great because not only are those like my lifelong friends that we still talk, our text chain is hilarious. I'm sure. They're lifelong friends for sure. But I got to do a mix of things. I got to direct. I got to do cabarets. I got to put together cabarets. I got to act in shows. I got to play roles that I was too young for. So yeah, I I love Or when was this? This is after Lamest. This is like in the early two from the 2000s there. So I came back in as like an equity actor, director. I put together shows. I'm really proud of some of the cabarets I put together. Some of them are still being performed actually. Wow. So, yeah, I'm super excited. Is that kind of stuff you want to do more as your career develops? It's funny. The last time that I directed, 
I was like, I think I enjoy being in the show. I like that thing that you and Jen talked about watching the ship sail away. Yeah. Ah, that hurts me. It's hard. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I know. I like the journey that the show takes. That's to me is where I love. And I also love what I was saying before, the rituals, the backstage jokes and the bits and, and the repetition of all that. Like I, the making fist bumps with so-and-so or having the kids say the thing that they always say at this moment. That's what I love about theater. And so I missed that in directing. I, I talked about this with Jen on the episode. Anyone who comes at directing from being an actor, I think is going to... I definitely struggle with the leaving that you just <laughs> say bye and never return. I really tried to get back up to Goodspeed to see Gypsy again, but it, when it's not your job and it's East Haddam, Connecticut, it's yeah. hard to get there. And yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely miss the inside jokes and the that's half the battle. Yeah. It's that's to me that is what it, that's what it's all about. That's the church of it all. It's that's the. That, those bits that we have with our friends, with our family, that we're making there, the backstage people, the dressers, the repetition of all that every day. It is so fun. Yeah, you did Phantom for three years. Is that the longest you've done a show? Six for? years. Six years. Six, yeah, yeah. Yes, that is definitely, that takes the cake. <laughs> I think of the amount of time that I spent rehearsing that show. Who? I, I mean weeks and months long (laughs) and you say you're someone who likes ritual but six years is a long time do you feel it sounds like that happened because you ultimately got to swing and play all these different roles sounds like it wouldn't have happened if you hadn't had that opportunity but yeah absolutely that's true I was ready as I said I was ready to just move on from it although and it I didn't want to because I love the people so much exactly what I just described I love the jokes and the people it was a wonderful group so I it was hard to leave that and luckily I didn't have to what was it like touring for that long I loved it really I love yes I personally love that transient life I love finding Airbnbs and restaurants and oh, going back to a city that you visited and going back to that restaurant or yeah, I just love it. I love traveling. I take my car to all my regional gigs that I go to. I love, I just love traveling. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I, th- I feel like touring is a lot like swinging in the sense that everyone I've had on the show has a really different sort of extreme opinion on it. You either love it or hate it. There's not a lot of people being like... Listen, I can tell why it would be not fun if you didn't have a good group of people, if you didn't love the show. The Phantom Tour was... The schedule was like we were two weeks minimum anywhere we were at. It was a really diverse group of people, which I think makes really healthy, happy group. When you have dancers and opera singers and actors, it's better than, than when you have a company just full of singer-actors. <laughs> yes. It's just a different vibe. Yeah. And I think it leads to a happier, healthier company when it's a diversity of talent and types. I def- Having worked with you, I definitely see you, and it, it's making a lot of sense to hear you talk now. I would trust you to, like, to put you in any room and put 
the entire cast at ease and talk to everyone and be a, a barrier breaker or like a fluidity that you need in a cast or a company. Are you aware of that? Is that like a skill that you've developed over time or is that just who you are? I just love the rehearsal room and I love the what we were just talking about, putting it all together. So if that it comes across as simply because I just love the process. I love meeting a new group of people. I love seeing how they're all going to interact. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's <laughs> friction. But I, I love it. I love what I do. I love this ritual, this, what I consider going to church, which is telling the story, whatever our story is, together as a group. Are you superstitious as an actor since you love that ritual? Do you put the same glove on the same hand every night kind of vibe? No, I'm not uber superstitious, but I certainly do understand that. And I know when someone else has that, and I make sure to be there for that person. Emily Hoder, who we love. We love. Robin, I missed Hoder. the with her, and I was like, oh no, I can never do that again. <laughs> I missed a moment with her, like one of our little backstage bits. And she gave me this look like, and I was like, I will never miss that again. I promise you. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Have you worked with child actors a lot before Gypsy or no? Play Miz has oh, child yes. actors. Yeah. Actually, Nick Jonas was our Gavroche. Oh my God. Oh no. Who knows if he remembers me? Although I'm sure he does because those kids always remember everything. I, I always try to think of that that these kids will always remember every moment, every bit that you have with them. And I love that about the these gypsy kids. They were so fabulous. They were the best child actors ever. I was so lucky to do that first scene with them. They were so great. Would you say you have a process? With children? No, no, just with acting in general. Like when you get a role or you get an offer and they say, Hey, we want you to. I accept the role. <laughs> we want you to swing. We want you to be a swing. Les Mis is coming back to Broadway. I don't know if you heard. There's a rumor that it's coming back. Sure, why not? But you get that offer. What's Would next? I do it? What do you know? What's next? What do you do? Like, how, what's your approach to the script? Do you? Oh, all that. Well, I like to learn my lines beforehand, for sure. Any, I'm actually working, my next show is Laughter on the 23rd Floor. I'm super excited oh. to do. And I've been working on that script all week, so that's a lot of fun. When are you doing that? In August at the Arrowrock Theater, in Lyceum so, Theater. Yeah, so excited. I was just I love thinking that. about that show because I am obsessed with Nathan Lane, and he did some sort of My Life in Playbills thing, uh -huh. and I guess he was in, it was one of his first shows, Laughter on the 23rd. I saw that play. It was incredible, and so funny, and one of Neil Simon's funniest, I think. So I'm super excited to do that. So I'm learning the lines for that, which I've done the show before, so it's a little easier, except in a different role. So it's a little easier. It's in my bones somehow. Yeah. And then, like I said, I really like to hear what the director has to say. I like to see what the other people bring to the table. I like to work on my feet. I even learn it better on my feet. Sure. Let's get up. Let's do it. Let's get to the end, and then let's talk about what we need to fix. Let's do it. That's always easier for me in terms of my process. Are, you've done plays. You've done big mega musicals. You do regional theater. You've done Broadway. You've done touring. 
Are you purposefully looking for variety in your career or is it just I'll take the job? Yeah, it's a mix of both. Of course, I love the variety. I want more variety, actually, if you can believe it. I don't have very many plays on my resume. I'm super excited to get this next one. And actually, I'm doing another play after that. I'm doing Murder on the Orient Express afterwards. And I'm, I'm just excited to get more plays. Because as a musical theater actor, you don't really get considered for plays very often. No. You know? It's hard. It's hard to, yeah, break out of that mold and be seen for that kind of stuff. Where are you doing? But it's hard for me because I love, I'm a Broadway baby. I love musicals. <laughs> I don't mind being in musicals. Where are you doing Murder on the Orient Express? At Pioneer in oh, Utah. Oh, fun. Yeah. Is that in the fall? That is in September, October. So you're so, yeah. booked and blessed. Oh, yes, I feel lucky. I feel very lucky. But I'm available after that. What was your, it sounds like you're a person who's been booked and blessed because of this variation and because of this ability to swing and understudy and play multiple roles and be a character actor. What was the pandemic like for you? What did you? It brought me home, actually. It's it's funny that the, the Phantom Tour closed in February of 2020. Wow. And... I had booked the work for the rest of the year. So I didn't immediately return back to New York to get an apartment like most people did. And I'm so grateful because when all the work was canceled in 2020, I came back here to Long Island where my family lives and I got to spend that year and a half and I'm still here actually. It's not where I thought I'd be, but it is exactly where I needed to be. And that's part of this career too is just going with it going with whatever comes your way i always say that you just gotta roll with it so here i am in long island with my family so blessed because they're so supportive and i get all this time with my niece i'm so grateful for that she's a little budding character actress i can tell how old is she she is 11. love yes yes and I will send you a rendition of her singing Ladies Who Lunch That Will oh Knock You Off my. Your feet. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Um, I love that. We got to do p- pandemic projects together. We built game boards. We did videos together of different songs or scenes from musicals. It's really cute. So we had a great time. That's really sweet. Yeah, I think I was talking about it with someone recently because I also spent quite a bit of time at home during the pandemic and I don't think there will ever be a time when I'll spend that much yeah. time yeah we were really lucky in the in obviously many people suffered and our industry suffered enormously but I feel lucky that I was able to reconnect with the family that way and especially after being on the road for six years to spend some real good quality time definitely um, but as someone who loves travel so much, you must have been like itching to. Mm-hmm. It was rough. It was yeah, rough. Yeah. Yeah. But when things picked up, uh, I was lucky. I've been working regionally a lot since the pandemic. And so I get to go away and come back. It's yeah. the best of both worlds for me personally right now. So that's that's great. great. And I imagine I'll return to New York City when I have a reason to be there. So When Broadway comes calling. Let's hope. (laughs) Speaking of, again, you're this accomplished character actor. You've done it all. Do you have any professional ambitions or goals for the next few years for yourself? Or do you like to keep it like loose and see what happens? 
a, a mixture of both there because I don't like to pin myself down in terms of not accepting something that comes my way. I'm not going to cut my nose off to spite my face. But of course, I want to get back to New York. Mm. So we discuss what it's going to take me to get there. So let's hope I can get there. Yeah, <laughs> That's a goal. That's a goal. But I also love the variety of working regionally and the relationships that I make with all those directors and artistic directors and patrons across the country. I love the people that support the local theaters across the country. I love them so much. I love meeting them. I love getting to know them. I love staying connected to them. Um, that's part of the gig too. So important, especially these days. Mm -hmm. yeah. It feels every day I wake up and there's a new theater closing. I just saw yeah. the public laid off 19% of its staff yeah. and is doing only five shows next year instead of what it used to do, 11 or something annually. Yeah, and the forum in Los Angeles. Too. I know. Like a, yeah, so, so yeah, it's important to stay connected to those patrons so that they stay interested and it gives them a reason to come to these local theaters. They know the they know their favorites. And yeah, they can't wait to see them. Do you feel like you make actual close relationships with patrons? I have. Yes, not everyone, obviously. Of course, of course. Uh, but yes, no, I have. Yes, I have a lot of friends, patron friends in St. Louis, and in Sonoma. And even in Florida. Yeah. So yes, I love staying connected with them. And I love that they come and travel to see another show. And it just encourages them to give back to the theater to maybe become a fan of someone else. So I love staying connected to them, especially because they're so kind and generous, mostly. That's nice. And I feel like there's been a lot of controversy about stage dooring and things like that, which doesn't really happen anymore because of COVID. But it's nice to remember that actors are entertainers at the end of the day. And you're there because someone paid money to come see you. You have to nurture those relationships just like you have to nurture your relationships with your directors and your casting directors and your um, music directors and your stage managers. Definitely. And the costume people as well. Yes. They're always big friends. Yeah. Nurture the relationships is what I mean. Nurture them. Mm, really Do you have any advice for aspiring actors who might be listening, especially any aspiring character actors who might be listening? I would say, especially for a character actor or someone that sees themselves playing roles that they're maybe too young for, persistence is key. Be open to whatever is being offered you. If you don't see yourself in that part, somebody did. So just give it a shot. You may surprise yourself and be persistent. Be persistent. Yeah, I think that's a good point. With a lot of these, like what we talked about before, some people who are true character actors aren't really getting a ton of jobs or working a lot until they're like in their 30s and 40s. And your 20s can be like a weird time in that way. I think that's very good advice. Yeah. You go through some casting choices that are like, you're not quite right for it, but you're a killer in the role, but you're too young. And it's, you just got to keep going forward. Keep going forward. I want to end with my thank you five segment, which is five rapid fire questions. Like five oh, rapid fires. Um, it's some favorites, which I know is not everyone's favorite. So you can just okay. 
pick a couple if if we get to a favorite. I, okay. I first want to know if you have any dream roles, but if not, um, if you have a dream show that you haven't done. This is a really interesting question because I've just been talking about it with this whole casting controversy. Ah. Because um, I'm a Cuban-American, and one of my dream roles is Tevia, has always been Tevia. So I'm rethinking that, and... It's painful. Mm. It's painful. But I see the pain that is caused and it's really opened my eyes and I'm having some really interesting conversations with the Latin theater community about this. I love having the conversations with them because I can see their minds flipping as well. Because at first we're all excited for our friend who's cast in this role, but it is very painful the point of the answer to this question is because you asked me what my dream role is, which I have always said when people, that's the question we get a lot as actors. What's your favorite? Yeah. What's your dream role? It's like my grab bag answer is Tevia. And I'm rethinking that and it's painful. Yeah. It's painful. No, I think it's obviously such a tough issue. Some other people said it best, which is that with this particular controversy, Hopefully no one was objecting to this actress. I'm sure she is she must be amazing. Remarkable and amazing. She really won the role. And I'm Jewish, full disclosure, and it's a religion, but also an ethnicity. It's, it's tough. As soon as you said that your dream role was Tevye, I was like, you'd be amazing. But I see the point. Funnily enough, Edward, my dream role has always been Tevye. I always said I want to be the first female Tevye, which is another, a whole other can of worms. That'd be amazing. I'd actually so want to see that. <laughs> Maybe someday. No, I think your point is taken and times are changing. And I think thoughtfulness about all of these things is really important. I was just going to say that's what it's all about is just being thoughtful. And recognizing when people are in pain and seeing that and then making the changes within yourself, applying that. Absolutely. And I think social media can exacerbate a lot of these issues. Definitely. I think we could all benefit from giving each other more grace. However, we have to hold each other accountable. Absolutely. It's that balance. It's finding that balance. Yes. Unfortunately, being young in the theater can feel like you are like writing a public relations speech every time you like put something on Instagram. But my opinion is that don't think a non-Jewish woman should have been cast in that role. That's my opinion. I think of it as if we could flip the script. And this is this has really helped me when I when I'm talking to my Latin theater friends. Imagine a Gloria Stefan being cast as a non-Latin person and how that would make us feel and how furious that would make us feel. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's the real work, the dialogue between groups of people. Within each other's communities and then... And then across communities. And also I think with nuance because I don't think every character that has like ever been played by a Jewish person needs to be played by a Jewish person. It's complicated, nor do I think that every person in a production of Fiddler on the Roof needs to be Jewish necessarily. But when it's central to the character, it feels important. As it is for Tevye. Yes, yes. It's hard to let that one go. I know. 
And I've never been in Fiddler either, so I would love that. The other thing too is I personally have no problem. Let's say you got super famous and wanted to do a concert where you sang all of Tevye's songs. I would have absolutely no problem with that. I think that's also different to take it up. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, to have a non-Latin person singing conga would be amazing. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. If they dare. If they dare. If they dare. I think very few people would dare. No, but it's, yeah. I definitely feel strongly about that particular issue. I also am like, how did every single person involved in this production say yes to this? We're learning when you know better, you do better. And so let's do better now that we know that. Absolutely. And I think your point is well taken. I graduated from college in 2016. And I think the world was really different even in 2016 than it is now. And mostly for the better now, because as you say, now that we know better, we can do better and make better productions ultimately. That's right. This is funny because I feel like that fun little question. (laughs) It's an interesting talk. No, but it's good. And these are the types of conversations that I think people should should be having about these issues. Yeah. Thank you for talking with me about Thank it. Thank you for talking with me about it. I think people just need to lead with empathy and grace, as you say, yeah. and everyone's entitled to their opinion. And you now know mine and yes. yours. <laughs> Do you have a favorite show you've ever done? Yes, my favorite. What's funny, the last three shows that I've done and this next one that I'm about to do, are some of my all-time favorite shows, 42nd Street, Man of La Mancha, Gypsy, and Laughter on the 23rd Floor. These four shows are some of my absolute all-time favorites. And if you had to make me pick one, Man of La Mancha. I've never seen Man of La Mancha. I know like next to nothing about it. It is my favorite piece of theater. I want to see it. Damn. Okay, it's it's going on my list. Here's here's a fun question. Okay. What's the funniest backstage mishap you've been a party to? Okay, so many stories are swimming through my head right now. Okay, I was doing a production of Bat Boy in San Francisco, and I played. I at one point in the show, there's a there's an orgy with all these different kinds of animals. I've <laughs> um, never seen Bat Boy. Full disclosure, but. Okay, so there's a there's like a number where there there's this pan character comes out and is encouraging the the bat boy to mingle with other species, and so all the species come out. It's a very funny number, and they all do the deed. Sure, I play the bunny rabbit, <laughs> and I was wearing button fly jeans, and what at one that point the the fly is buttons like Levi's. That's right. Okay. That's right, like Levi's, but they were button flies rather than a zipper. And I was going particularly hard on the floor and there was something snapped in that region. And I thought that it had, I thought I, it was a pain unlike anything I have ever felt. And I thought that for sure it snapped off. And at that moment, the raccoon started climbing up on me. And I was like, get off me. I broke my dick. <laughs> and I... And I walked off the stage in the middle of the number. The stage managers were like, are you okay? And I just went straight to the bathroom and I opened up my pants thinking that I was just going to see nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody mess. 
Anyway, everything was intact. Everything's fine, but it was very bruised. And that was very painful. But she always tells me, get off, I broke my dick. She still texts me that from time to time. Get off me, I broke my dick. That is amazing. And that's one of those, I love asking this question because it's one of those unique to theater answers. No one who works in accounting has a story like this. Much love. Yes, imagine going to the emergency room that night, which I did, explaining I was a bunny rabbit on the stage. (laughs) But yes. That's unique to theater. Definitely unique to theater. But I would wager that the ER doctors in San Francisco have seen worse than that. You might be right. (laughs) They were (laughs) unfazed. They were like, this is a Tuesday for us. They were like, cool, bunny rabbit, fucking stage. If you, this might be like a Sophie's Choice situation for you. If you had to be in either Phantom or Les Mis for the rest of your life, which would you choose? (laughs) No. That is a t- that is Sophie's choice. I'm going to say Miss Saigon. <laughs> I had never seen Miss Saigon until the, the, it was revived on Broadway five years ago or something like that. I love Miss Saigon. Me too. And there's not really a role for me in it, but... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, are we going back into this sort of like difficult can of worms? Are you trying to be the engineer? What's... No, but I no. If I honestly, if I had to pick, I'd pick Phantom because it has more character roles and that, and the diversity that I was describing to you earlier about the diversity of talent, the yeah dancers and opera singers and actors and musicians. That's something I love about musical theater too, because mm-hmm. ideal you're ideally you're bringing together these three different art forms and. Yes. Dancers and classical singers and actors can be really different from each other. They wholly are, completely. And that show is a really brings them all together. So that's really unique about Phantom. Actually, I think it might have led to its longevity, quite honestly. I bet it did. I bet it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and this last question, I ask a version of a lot of people, and you can take it either literally or metaphorically. And that is a character actor's essential. So that could be like your script or it could be like versatility or persistence, like you said before, something like that. A character actor's essentials. I definitely think it requires good humor Mm. and it requires working with other people, taking a note and or seeing how someone else is bringing something to the scene and building on it. The yes and theory, everything that you could learn in an improv class, I think applies to character acting as well. Yes and to everything. I love that. Edward, this has been so fun. I hope you feel that your nerves were misplaced. You're so great. You made me feel comfortable. And we have really great discussions about a lot of different things. So I love that. I'm so glad. Do you have anything else you want to say or anything you want to plug? I know you just said you're doing these three, two different shows coming up. You want to say them again and where they are so people can come see? Sure. I'm doing at Arrow Rock Lyceum. I'm doing Laughter on the 23rd Floor in August. I think that opens August 14th. And then... Uh, in September and October, I'll be doing Murder at the Orient on the Orient Express at the Pioneer Theater in Salt Lake City. So come out and see if you can. Speaking of diversity, I've never worked at Pioneer. What's it like working in Salt Lake City? 
I've never worked at that theater. Oh. I have toured through Salt Lake. Yeah, what's it like? I love Salt Lake. Yeah. I love Utah. I did Tuacon too. That's another oh. whole other culture. And it is so great. I love it there. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a friend who did Tuacon too, and, and she loved it. But I remember Jess was telling, Jess, who was the associate choreographer yeah. of Gypsy, yeah. has worked at Pioneer a lot. And she would talk about how there are all these strict rules about the liquor stores and things like that. It's crazy. And that's what I mean by there's a little bit of a different culture out there. Learn to navigate. Like I said, yes and. Oh, okay. I can't get my booze on Sunday. I'll get it on Monday. <laughs> you can't even do that in Massachusetts. I've done a ton of theater in the Berkshires and all the liquor stores are closed on Sundays there too. Yeah. It's called, yeah. it's like a type of law that I'm forgetting the name of. It's called green laws or red laws or something like that. Mm. I don't know. Dumb laws. <laughs> Dumb laws. Uh, not to pass judgment, of course. No, no. <laughs> never. This has been the best. I'm. You're the best. Oh, stop! I. It was so fun talking to you, and Likewise. like I said before, I just I would trust to drop you into any company ever, and like immediately bring the vibes up, and also deliver a Thank stellar you. performance. So I hope. Thank you, and I accept the role. Okay, great. Um, we know what shows we're doing together coming up, so okay. we're going to do a politically that. incorrect production of Fiddler, and we're all set. <laughs> Thank you oh, to my listeners, as always. Thanks for bearing with the little bit of time off. We have some really exciting guests coming up in August. I think you're going to enjoy them, as always. Let me know if you have questions or comments or thoughts about the episodes. 